Is that pretty good? <clears throat> a lot of times, a lot of times, we hear about sharing our faith and sharing the gospel. We don't really know quite what that means or how to do it, right? Seems to be like a lot of times it's either doesn't happen at all or it happens in a very awkward way. Now, it's kind of funny because the guy comes in, he's got a helmet on. Chris and Abby are passing out something for you, by the way. So if you'll take that and just hold on to it, um, you'll use that here in just a minute. But the guy had a helmet on, he's dressed up, he kind of awkwardly sits down next to the guy, and it's like he's getting information fed in his ear, and it's like he needs help sharing and presenting the gospel. And so he's like trying to do it all covertly and uh, ends up being just a complete mess when the guy miscommunicates things and, and all that kind of mess. So here's the deal. Tonight, we're going off of what we talked about last week. Last week, we kind of laid the foundation, laid the groundwork for what it means to be mission-minded, right? What it means to be missional-minded in a sense of how do I approach, how do I get in a habit, how do I get my world upside down, changed around, up here, to, to, to figuring out what it means to going across the lunchroom, what it means to going across the classroom, what it means to engaging that person in my sport, or whatever the case is, to engaging them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And so tonight, I want to I do kind of a lab experiment, kind of a, a little bit of a different style tonight. And so tonight, we're going to talk about just that. I want to walk you through what it means to share your faith. We hear this term all the time that's like, quote unquote, share your faith. And we're like, what does that mean? Well, how do we do that? What does that entail? And so going off of what we did last week, laying the groundwork, understanding that it's part of the essence of our Christian faith, the very basics of what Christ has called us to do. When you become a Christian, the very characteristic of a Christian is that we are to spread the gospel. We are to make the gospel go forth. Jesus talks about in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He tells us to go. It's a command. It's not a request. And so part of being a Christian, living out the Christian life, is understanding that we are to go. We are to proclaim Christ wherever we are. We learned last week that Christ has uh, put us strategically. He's located us where we are for a reason. He's put us where we are for a reason. And that is to share the gospel with those around us. And, and he has knitted you and he has made you into being who you are for that very reason. So tonight, what does it mean to share your faith? What is the gospel? Anybody? Tonight's going to be a little bit interactive. So as I ask questions and stuff, I want you to be able to feedback. So if you have an answer, raise your hand. Uh, so tonight, does anybody know what is the gospel? I can't hear you. Good news, right? Good news. God breathed, okay? So the gospel is the good news, right? You answered it perfectly, the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel, it very essentially translated, means good news. It means the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came, he made a way, he came, and God sent Jesus to the earth, the very basics of John 3.16, right? God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to die for us. And so the only purpose that Christ had when he came was to die. And so he came and he died on the cross. And what he did when he died on the cross was he died for our sins. We all have sin. We have wretchedness in our life that makes up of who we are. 
We were born into it, and so Christ took upon our sin. He took upon the things that in our life that hold us back from God, and uh, he, he died on the cross, and his, his blood covered our sin, and he made a way, and he was buried, and he was resurrected from the dead to make a way for us to be able to go back to God. And you're like, okay, that's great. What does that all mean? Well, tonight we're going to look at it. So what is, what is the gospel? D.L. Moody, D.L. Moody said it like this. He was having a conversation with some people, and a lady kind of criticized the way that he uh, was telling uh, how, to, how to tell the gospel. And, and he said, well, you know, you may be right. You know, there's not a really a perfect way, and my way is not the best way. And he said, uh, he said, how do you do it? And she said, well, I don't do it. And his, his exact quote is, then I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Okay? There's no wrong way to present the gospel. There's no wrong way to share your faith. But even doing it the lamest way possible is better than not doing it at all. Because Christ has called you to share your faith. He's called you to spread the gospel, right? So tonight, that's exactly where we're at. If you turn your Bible, turn it to Romans 6.23. And just like every week, we will be in the Bible. Bring your Bible with you, the physical Bible with you. Romans 6.23. What is the gospel? What is sharing your faith? Well, the gospel is real simple. And so the gospel is simply going and sharing. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about the gospel in the most simplistic way possible. And I'm going to kind of walk you through in a very uh, strategic way to show you exactly how to share your faith, exactly how uh, to share the gospel. So here we go. So Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very simply put. What's crazy about this verse is this verse is the gospel. This verse is the very essence of the gospel. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once we've learned this verse, it's it's very, very, very difficult to forget how to share the gospel because this verse in itself is the gospel. So after you leave here tonight, I'm very confident that you're going to remember how to share the gospel because you're going to know this verse like the back of your hand, all right? So we're going to look at it in a really cool, illustrative way. Here we go. I want you to read it back with me, okay? Romans 6, 23. Ready? For the wages of sin is death. There you go. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right, by the end of the night, you're going to have it memorized. All right, here we go. For the wages of sin is death. I want you to take that sheet of paper I gave you, and I want you to take it, and I want you to mark a box around the word wages. You have the verse printed at the top of that page. So what I want you to do is I want you to put a box around it, and you can do this in your Bible as well. Your Bible is a tool, a resource to help you understand what it means and what Scripture says. And so... Don't be afraid to mark in your Bible. Don't be afraid to, to, to interpret and help you understand what Scripture is actually trying to say. So put a box around the word wages. Who can tell me what the word wages mean? Trey. Payment, okay? If you worked at McDonald's, say you work at McDonald's, you work at McDonald's, you work 8 to 5 all day, every day for a week. At the end of the week, you're going to get What? A paycheck. You're going to get an envelope with a little check inside, maybe a little box that has your name in it, right? You're going to get a paycheck. That is your wage. 
That is what you earned. You deserve that, right? You worked all week, and you earned that wage, right? Well, what happens when you work all week, and then they don't give you a wage? What's your reaction then? What's your reaction then? Not very happy, right? Right. The Bible teaches that we earn wages from God by the way we live our life, because in our minds, it's very easily interpreted that we, if we do enough good things, or if we say the right things, or if we're really kind, if we're really nice, and we do a lot of good stuff, if we're very successful, then we've earned our wage, right? But that's counterintuitive to what the gospel says, and here's why. Because it says, for the wages of sin, put a little box around sin, the wages of sin, what is sin? What you do wrong. The word sin and its biblical interpretation means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. I'll do it for you like this. You have a target. Okay? You have a target. And you can draw this on the back if you want. You have a target here. And say you have an arrow that shoots and it hits right here, right? Pretty close, right? That's a good shot. And say you have one that hits out here, right? It's not a very good shot, but, you know, you're learning, right? Well, sin kind of works the same way. The Bible says it's interpreted that sin is you miss the mark, right? So no matter if you miss the mark right here or if you miss the mark right here, what, what's the similarity? You still miss, right? So our, our basic need is to think that if we do enough good things, if we live a good godly life, if we do all the right things, then we'll be close enough to the target that it'll be okay, right? But here's the reality is it doesn't matter if you are over here and you've lived a life of, you know, sin and drugs and whatever else and you're way out here and you're in jail, you've done a lot of stuff wrong. Or if you're right here and you go to church and you do a lot of good things and you live a good life, if you're real kind to people, you still miss the mark, right? Our sin, that's what sin is. Sin is wretchedness that we are born into, okay? Sin is wretchedness that we are born into. No matter how good you think you are, you still miss the mark, okay? I'll put it for you another way. I'll put it for you another way. There's, there's an idea that our sin separates us from God, right? Right? Can we all agree upon that? Have you ever felt... Raise your hand if you've ever felt like you've been distant from God. I think everybody in here can raise their hand to that, right? So here's an idea of here's an idea of a cliff, okay? We got three little guys up here, and you can write this on the back if you want. We got three little guys up here. We got a boat. Alright. So our sin separates us from God. And so, if this guy jumps off, he tries to hit the boat, and he falls miserably, right? And this guy jumps off, and he tries to hit, and he messes up too. If this guy jumps off, he gets really close, but he misses too. Our sin separates us from God. No matter how close we think we get to the, to the boat, we still miss the boat. We still miss the mark. You get it? Our sin, no matter how good we think we are, or no matter how, whatever the case is, we still miss the mark. Your sin still separates you from God. The wages, what you've earned, get that? 
what you've earned, your payment, is that you are separated from God. Because your sin has separated you from God. Sin keeps us from being all that God wants us to be, and it separates us from Him. Ask, have you ever, like I asked if you've ever seen far away from God, right? Okay, well here's, here's where we're at. So on the left side of that page, I want you to fill in with me as we go. On the right side of the page, I don't want you to mark anything, okay? So on the left side of the page, I want you to fill in with me as we go. All right, we have man over here. We have a God over here. This is our wage, the wages, sin, okay? The verse says the wages of sin, the wages for our, for our, our wage, our payment is sin. Because of our sin, this is what we deserve. Now I want you to draw a box around death. Word death. The wages of our sin is death. That's right. Your what you deserve, what you've earned, is death. You realize that you don't even have to qualify to go to hell. You realize you don't even have to qualify to go to hell. You're already qualified. When you were born, you were born into sin. We were all born into sin. The only one that wasn't born into sin was Jesus Christ. When we were born, we were born into sin. And so we automatically, our wage, our earning, earned us a trip to hell. We didn't have to qualify for it. You didn't have to earn your way there. You just automatically qualified to be, your, your, to, your sin is what qualifies you to separate from God. What you got? Hold on. Stay with me. All right. Sin doesn't qualify you from death. All right. There you go, Bryce. All right. And you can, the circle down there is hell. Forgive my writing. Hard to, hard to write on a board. <laughs> All right. Your sin separates you from God. And it says the wages of your sin is death, and death brings hell. It brings the eternity of life spent in hell. You don't qualify for it, you were born into it, okay? That's where we're at. But what does the next word say? But. But is an important word. Not for that reason. <laughs> but because but is an alternative. It means... You're shifting, okay? So we have, for the wages of sin is death, but we're shifting. We're, we have an alternative path we're about to take, okay? So for the wages of sin is death, but, but what? The gift. Put a square around the word gift. Put a square around the word gift. A gift, what is a gift? What does gift mean? A present, okay. What else? 
Something surprising. Something you didn't what? Deserve. That's right. You don't deserve a gift, right? When you're given a gift, it was purchased for you, right? It was purchased for you. Somebody saved up their money to buy you a gift, and they bought you a gift, and it was bought for you. You didn't have to pay it. You didn't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to get it. You just got it, right? You get Christmas gifts, you get birthday gifts, you get all kinds of gifts, right? So a gift is something you got that you don't deserve. Someone else, it's something that someone else purchases for you and gives you, okay? A gift is something someone else purchases for you and gives you. So if I were to offer you a brand new car, you would say what? I'll take it. If I were to offer you a million dollars, you would say what? Yes, I would too. If I was offered that, I would gladly take it, right? That's kind of the same thing. If you were to save up your money, if you were to save up your money, save up all your nickels and pennies, and you bought a gift for somebody, and you were going to give it to them, say you're giving it to your mom, and you're going to give it to them, and she tried to pay you for it before she accepted it, well, how would you feel? Some of you would take it. Yeah, you would. You would feel a little frustrated, right? You saved up your money, you bought that gift, and you wanted to give it to him without any strings attached, right? Some people try to pay God back by a good lifestyle. It's like what I was saying earlier. We try to pay God back. We try to earn our way back. And God has freely given us a gift, right? Square around the word God. God has freely given us a gift. You didn't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing you can do in your life right now to try to deserve the gift that God gave you. You understand that? There is nothing. Listen to me. There is nothing you can do. God has given you a gift. He's given it to you without anything you've done to deserve it, but he wants you to have it. And all he asks you to do is just receive it. It's kind of like the million dollars, man. You just receive it. It's a gift of God. What do you think about when you hear the word God? Holy. Perfect. You've nailed it on the head. I don't even have to go any further. So we have gift right here. And we have God right here. What's the difference between this and this? What's the difference between this and this? They're complete opposites, right? Sin is wretched, and guess what? God doesn't have any. God is free of sin. He's perfect, he's holy, like Ben said. He's perfect, and he's holy. He has never sinned. God gave us a gift, and what was that gift? Eternal life. Put a square around the words eternal life. God gave you a gift in his eternal life. So you can go ahead and fill in. And I'm going to abbreviate. But you can fill in the word eternal life. And in that little circle, what does eternal life bring? Heaven. Heaven. So God has given you a gift of eternal life. And that eternal life is an eternity spent with him. There's nothing better you can get. Is there? There's nothing better that you could receive in your life than eternal life with God. Because we know this about hell, that it's real, and it's a wretched place. We don't want to be there, right? And our sin has deserved hell. 
When we were born, we were born into our sin nature, and we deserved hell. We deserved punishment forever. But yet, God gave us a gift, and that gift was eternal life so that we can spend eternal life with him, right? It's pretty cool. Eternal life means forever. And eternal life spent in heaven. Did you know that the Bible teaches if we accept this free gift from God, we can have eternal life in heaven with him forever? And the cool thing about it is I trust that each and every one of you has an IQ over that of a plant, right? And I think anybody that has an IQ over that of a plant can understand that this side is better than that side, right? This is what you were born into. This is where you are. Hey, you with me? This is where you are. This is, the, this is what you were born into. And this is what God has given you. It's a pretty sweet deal. It says, the wages of death, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in what? Christ Jesus. I want you to underline the word in, and I want you to square Christ Jesus. Because it's in Christ Jesus that what? You have eternal life. That's right. It's in Christ Jesus that you have eternal life. And here's where you make your money, right here. That's your money maker right there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came. He came to the earth. He died on the cross so that you may have a way back to God, so that you can then make your journey back to God because your sin separated you from God. Are you catching with this? Are you tracking with me? Your sin separates you from God. But it's in Christ Jesus that, that you are able to make and have life again. That's exactly why Christ came. It's as simple as someone, that, as simple as just believing and understanding that. What happens if, say I have this marker, and I offer it to you. When does it become yours? When I give it to you, Right? So when you accept Christ in your life, when you accept the gift that God's given you, it becomes your own, right? It becomes your salvation. It becomes the thing that God has made a way for. Hold on. Getting ahead. It's kind of like if I had a chair up here. Say that empty chair right there in front of Jared. You have faith that that chair can hold you? Yeah. yeah. When does your faith be put into action? When you actually sit in it, right? When you actually sit in it. And so when you actually put your faith in Christ is when he holds you up. It's when you accept his free gift, right? What's the last part of this phrase? Lord. I left out the word but here. You can write Lord right here on the bottom of of the cross. Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our Lordship. You think about a landlord. What does a landlord do? He's over that land, right? 
He, he orders the land. He, he fixes the issues with the land. He's in charge of that land, right? Just like there's a landlord, Christ is your life lord. He's the one that when you accept him, he, he is over your life. He's in control of your life. And when you accept Christ in your life, he is the one that takes the driver's seat, right? He is our lord. It starts out with a real simple process. In order to get from here to here, we have a bridge now. And our first step to getting across that bridge is simply confession. Simply confession. If we confess that Christ is Lord, that's the first step. If we confess our sins, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? Yes, Brooke. You're, you're, you're stepping on my point I just made. Your first step is confession. Your first step is confession. That's what I just said, confession. If, when you come to faith in God, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was risen from the grave, you will be saved. The step down is surrender. When you accept Christ into your heart, and into your life, the one thing that he asks of you is that you surrender. Now, surrender means a lot of different things. The first thing I think surrender means is repentance. Every time you sin, every time you mess up, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to sin, okay? Sin happens all the time, right? But just because you mess up doesn't mean that you are exempt. You have to continually repent. You have to say, God, I messed up. I need you. You're the one. I'm surrendering to you, right? The second step of that would be baptism. I think that the second step of surrender is baptism. If you come to faith in Christ, if you believe in him, then you are, then you are saved. And the next step, Christ says, is that you are to be baptized. And that is to show the world. It doesn't save you by any means, but it's an outward expression of what God has done on the inside. And you get a chance to proclaim the gospel, proclaim what Christ has done in your life by baptism. I think the next thing that surrender shows is that you should be a part of a church. You should be fellowshipping with believers. And the church is not some building. The church is the body of Christ. And we should be fellowshipping with the body of Christ. We should be involved with the body of Christ. That's part of your salvation. And the last thing I think surrender brings, check this out. last thing I think surrender brings is obedience. Obedience. Because your next, your last, your, your first implication as you come to Christ's salvation in Jesus Christ is that you are now to obey and, and be with him for the rest of your life, right? Right? All right. Confess and surrender. I want you to turn over on the back. And I want you to write, I want you to draw this again. Shh, didn't require talking. Okay. The reality is, is that you have sin in your life. Sin separates us from God, right? There's a gap there. And Christ filled the gap. Okay, here you are. Over here chilling out. Sin separates you from God. You made 
Christ made a way for you to get back to God. And here's the steps. And I want you to write these down. Step one, God saves. And these should be really easy to remember. They're short and sweet for a reason. Sorry, I messed it up. God loves. It's first first step. Shh. All right. God loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. God loved you so much that he made a way for you. Step two is sin separates. Sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Number three, sin equals death. And that's the verse we looked at tonight, Romans 6.23. Sorry, my handwriting is a little messy. Sin equals death, Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. Caught up? Number four is works don't save. Your works do not save. And that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Tell us that your good works cannot save you. Step number five is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Romans 5, 8. Now I want you to take these and I want you to look them up when you get home. And the last one is we believe. And that's Romans 10, 9. Romans 10.9 says this, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So last week, check this out. Last week we laid the groundwork. That God has placed you where you are for a reason, right? He's put you in your position. He's knitted you, not only your body, but your personality, everything about you to conform to where you are. He's put you on your basketball team that you are. He's put you on, in the school that you're at. He's put you in that classroom that you're in. He's put you in every capacity of which you live your life. He's made you for a reason and for a purpose, right? We talked about that and how just because you have the confidence to go to Haiti or you have the confidence to go to New York doesn't mean doesn't mean anything if you don't have the confidence to go across the lunchroom and share your faith with that person across the lunchroom, right? And so tonight, we've laid out perfectly what it means. What the gospel is, is that Christ came, the good news, right? Christ came, he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and he made a way out. Check this out. He made a way out for you. He made a way for you to come back to him, right? And then we learn... What it means to share your faith. 
Right here. We're almost done. What it means to share your faith. So now, if you look on the front side of the sheet, on the left side you have a perfect illustration of what it means, what the gospel is, and what it means to share your faith. And so my challenge is, is this, is that this week you take that right side. Hey, look up here. We're almost done. Take that right side, cut it out, tear it off, whatever you want to do. But take that right side, and I want you to go, and I want you to find somebody that, doesn't, that you know doesn't know Christ, that doesn't go to church. And I want you to talk to them, and I want you to say, hey, I want to talk to you. And here's a great way to kind of start that conversation. And a way that I usually try to do that is, is if I'm in conversation with somebody, and I just ask them, hey, what do you think happens to you after you, after you die? That's a great bridge way, because a lot of times you'll get a response either way. A lot of people, well, I should say some people think that, you know, certain things happen after you die, but majority of us, not Christians, but the majority of, of the human, human race doesn't really expect anything to happen after, after we die. They just kind of think that this is it. And so it's a great bridge way for you to, to grab your Bible, to grab that little sheet of paper and say, you know, what do you, what do you think happens after you die? Kind of hear from them, listen to them, hear what they have to say. And then they'll give you a great opportunity to make that bridgeway and say, listen, here's what I believe, and I think, I think you're going to like this, and why don't you check this out? And you can share with them the verses, John 3.16, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9. You can show them the outline, right? You have an example of it on the left side, so you, now you know how to, how to draw it out. You can say, listen, here's where we were, here's where God is, here's what Christ did. Here's what Christ did. All right? My mission is for you to go and do that this week, and I want you to come back and tell me about it. Maybe you have a success story, and maybe somebody comes to Christ. Praise God. That's incredible. Maybe you have a situation where it didn't really work out the way you thought it would. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you feel rejected, but that's okay. I want to hear about it. So I want you to go and take that this week. Find somebody that doesn't know Christ. Hey, Find somebody that doesn't know Christ. Share your faith. Your story, your testimony, what God has done in your life, nobody can debate. And so share with them what God has done in your life. Share with them the gospel perfectly laid out. And then come back and tell me about it. And who knows, maybe you can get a chance to come up here and and share with your fellow peers next week, all right? All right. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. Lord, we are humbled, Father, tonight that you would allow us to be used by you. That, God, that you, we are a part of a greater story, God, and that is the story of, of Jesus Christ, the story of God. And, Father, we have an opportunity to play a part. God, you put us where we are for a reason. God, you've made us to be who we are for a reason. And, God, we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with other people. And, Lord, I pray that, Father, myself and these students included, that, God, that you would use us in a mighty way. That, God, that the gospel would be some, become something real in our lives. That God, your word, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I pray that, Father, that resonates in our life this week. God, I pray that these students would take the message of the gospel and they would go and talk to their friends, talk to them and, and, and invite them to church. God, that's going to be an awesome opportunity to see the gospel spread out. And God, I pray that it's spread out in this community of Cleveland. I pray that it's spread out in Tennessee. I pray that it's spread out in New York City in a few months. I pray that it's spread out in Haiti. I pray that it's spread out to the ends of the world. God, that you've called us to go. And Lord, we want to be a part of your mission. 
And Lord, we pray all this in your incredible name. Amen.